Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. Well, good morning, Thrive. How are we this morning, guys? Good, man. Great to have you guys with us. Um, I just want to pause real quick and say this. Um, you know, Wednesday night we had a, a volunteer appreciation party for our volunteers over at Chesterfield. And, uh, and we had over around 150 people come out that serve at Thrive at both locations. I think that's awesome. Um, they came out that we were able to bless. I want to say thank you, guys. You that are able to serve, man, like right now we're able to have this happening because somebody's making it happen. And I just want to say how thankful I am for everybody who shows up early, stays late, and does. I mean, it's amazing all the little things that happen in a worship experience uh, that goes on. So we're really thankful of all of our volunteers uh, here at Thrive Church. Well, if you just joined us today, we're actually in week three of a series uh, called Come to Worship which is actually out of Matthew's uh, gospel. Uh, he says that the wise men, as we know, traveled 900 miles to come and worship. And so we've been looking at this month, how do we help draw your focus and your attention back to Jesus during this season, right? Like, like how do we take a note from the wise men and learn to worship? So week one was about lifting our hands to God in worship and actually what the Bible says about that. Some people are like, I didn't know the Bible said it. I didn't know that Paul even commanded it. It was crazy. Um, and then lastly, we looked at bringing our gifts to God just like the wise men did. Today, I want to speak to you about pouring out your hearts to God. You can turn to Psalm 142, verse 2. It'll be a lot in the Psalms today, but Psalm 142, verse 2. And I want to really help you understand when it comes to worship about pouring your heart out to God. Remember I told you Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment out of the 613 Old Testament Jewish commandments? And, what, and, and when he was asked that, Jesus didn't say, well, you know, commandment number 547 says this. He says, no, he says, he says, they're all summed up in this here, to love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, come on guys, and all of your strength. So literally, it means to love God with everything within you. And so many times, like, we're good at maybe loving God with our mind or our strength. Maybe you come and you serve, like, I'm going to serve God with my strength. Um, But, you know, a lot of times we miss the point when it comes to worshiping God with all of our soul, pouring out our soul to God. And there's just something powerful about when we pour out our hearts in uh, worship. Today, maybe some of you are like, man, life's really good, and it couldn't be any better. Maybe there's a few today that just are all in that season, and that happens sometimes, and all the planets align, right? Enjoy it while it lasts. You can pour out your hearts to God in Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe some of you today are going through a tough situation, and, and maybe it's a, a rough season for you, and this message is for you, too, to pour out your hearts to God. But I want to speak to a group today that maybe you are in a place where you didn't expect life to be, And it's difficult for you. That you say, man, this is a really tough season. I put the smile on. uh, You know, I I, I put the act on. But truth of the matter is, I am struggling. This message is for you today. Please lean in and listen to this. uh, Because I I really believe that God can help you in that. Uh, Some of you may be facing the loss of a loved one. This is the first Christmas or second Christmas without that, that person there. And there's an empty seat there, right? Maybe some of you are struggling intensely in your marriage, and you're saying, I don't know if this thing's going to make it. And you are really going through a tough time. 
It could be a financial struggle that you're going through or even a bad report from the doctor. Maybe it's not terminal, but you got a, a report that you just did not expect in your life. I want us today to look and take some notes from David and notes from the psalmist to see how to pour out our hearts to God. Look at Psalm uh, 142, verse 2. And uh, David says this. He says, I pour out before the Lord my complaint. So he's actually complaining to God, right? God's, God's a big boy. He can handle your complaints. Before him, I tell my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my, say it with me, refuge. My portion in the land of the living. Now look at Psalm 62, verse 8. You have a chance to say refuge again because some of you missed it. You, you didn't have enough coffee this morning. Um, I forgive you. Um, David writes again. He says, trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our, help me church, refuge. He is our refuge. That, that, that word refuge there actually meant, um, it came from a word that meant sanctuary. So let's say that you were being chased by enemies for something that maybe you didn't do. Maybe you're wrongly accused. Uh, maybe you're, you, you have people coming after you. You could go to one of six sanctuary refuge cities in that region and you could hide out there. You could be protected and covered from your enemies. And that is what David was saying here about God is our refuge. Um, for me growing up, my safe place, my ref refuge was actually a place. I don't know if you guys can relate to me, but mine was the closet. This is weird. But like when I was a little kid, when, when the tornado warnings would come up and that loud, annoying noise would interrupt cartoons... And you can't really, all you know, they say they said tornado, and you just know that's scary. So, so as a kid, I had this book bag with all my baseball cards, like all the basketball rookie cards, like David Robinson rookies, all that stuff. Yes, um, you know, um, I had all, all my favorite cards, and I had my Game Boy, and I would run to the closet during the tornado, right? Maybe for some of you, it was under the bed, which was crazy, because that's where the monsters live, as our kids all know. But it was a place. Um, growing up, that changed, that place changed to a person. So, for instance, um, when I was a freshman in high school, there was this thing called initiation. I don't know if you had it or not, but freshman initiation. That's when they would take and pull your underwear above your head, and it hurt really bad. So, my goal was, I'm not getting initiated. Um, so, one, one night at football practice, a bad thunderstorm came. It was lightning outside. All the lights went out. So we went into the, the little field house, which was literally with cinder block because I lived in Turkey, North Carolina, right? Um, thatch roof. No, we actually had metal roof. Uh, and so we're sitting there, and all the freshmen were huddled up together, and all the seniors were there because junior varsity and varsity were playing together, like, you know, practicing together and everything. And I was a, a freshman, and I was sitting there, and literally the, 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 it, 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 with thunder and lightning, and you could see everybody, and then it'd go dark again. You couldn't see anybody. So... Literally, when it was lightning, you, I saw Joey's face when it went down. And it lightened again. He was gone. And we heard screams from the back, which means he was getting initiated. And they were going down the line. So I, I, I made a decision. I said, I think I have a good chance to run to the school in this rain and not get struck by lightning to avoid this initiation. So I did. I took off, and I just ran, you know, and I, everybody's just looking, and, and I made it, and then, you know, finally the thunderstorm passed, and, and mom come pick me up, and I left. And so, anyway, Blake Moore was the guy who was, who was actually, you know, initiating everybody. He was like the, the culprit. And Blake had a unibrow, right, a strong one, and he always dipped. 
He dipped even while he played. And he said, Bordeaux, I'm going to take you out, son. I'm going to initiate you. I'm going to pull your drawers over your head. And he kept doing that. And I was, I mean, I was scared to death in high school. So here's the deal. He's 17 and a half, maybe 18. I had an older brother. He was 10 years older than me. He was 24, 25 years old. So I told my brother what was happening. My brother said, I know that little joker because he's much younger. He said, I'll go have a talk with him. My brother graduated college. So you know, like you, you really think he's like really big and that guy. So he goes and has a talk with Blake. I don't know what he said to him. But Blake says, oh, Bordeaux, I was just kidding, man. I, you know, I was just playing with you. I ain't going to mess with you, man. Come on, man. You, just stop it. Because I, I don't know what my brother threatened to do, but he stopped and initiated. Like my, my brother was the one who helped me. See, in the same way, God should be our person we run to. When the enemies come in and things close in on us, that should be our safe place. He should be our refuge. And you see David, you know, saying that God was his refuge. God was his safe place. He should be ours. And here's your, your big idea today. I want you to write in your notes. The one thought today I want you to really to grab hold of is this. We can pour out our hearts to God because he is our safe place. You can be vulnerable before God. You can let it rip before God. You can get ugly cry snot before God. And he actually likes that. Like for me, I don't know if you're like me, but as I said before, I, I'm not a very expressive person and, and um, I process everything and emotions and thoughts and all that. And so when, like, I don't do well with crying. If you start crying with me, I mean, I, I'm going to do my best to comfort, but I just don't know like, I'm like trying to, do I hug? Do I, yeah, I just, I'm not sure what to do. And I get really nervous around crying. I just don't know what to do. I'm just being honest with you. God loves it. It doesn't make him nervous. He's like, bring it on. Cry, 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 complain, complain, bring everything you have to me. And that's what God wants to be for us as our safe place. So when it comes to worship, we've got to learn to move beyond just reading words on the screen and clapping hands and singing a few songs, but learning even in our own personal life to pour out our hearts to our creator who cares about every detail that goes on. Everything you think that's insignificant, God cares about it and it's significant to him. So here's what we're going to do today. Um, literally, I have two points for you as you pour out your heart here's two things that you should do two things that you should remember and here's the first one as you pour out your heart to God in worship because he's your safe place remember God's faithfulness in the past remember God's faithfulness in the past Psalm 42 verses 3 through 5 are thought by most scholars to be written by David in a time when he was in a very difficult situation. I want you to picture this before we read the psalm. His son Absalom stole the kingdom from him, has betrayed him, and now David's on the run. And Absalom wants his father killed. So David, King David, anointed King David, is on the run. And he has a problem he can't fix and an enemy he can't fight. I mean, think about it. His option is to kill his son. Uh, you know, I mean, you might think, wait, wait, I mean, that's his son. So David's in a no-win situation with Absalom. I'm darned if I do, and I'm darned if I don't. Do you ever feel like you're in those situations sometimes? Like you pay one credit card off, and then all of a sudden you, know, you get more unexpected bills coming. You're like, man, I just can't win for losing. And David was in a serious situation there. And not only the kingdom being ripped, but if Absalom starts leading the kingdom, it's going downhill. And so I want you to watch what David writes. I want you to really feel the, the ethos of this and, and the passion here that David writes. This is not from a man just writing some, some pretty words for a Hallmark card. This is somebody going through something. He says, my tears have been my food 
day and night, crying himself to sleep. Have you ever like cried so much you start to taste your tears? And they don't taste good. They're very salty, right? So um, I've been there. You know, he says, while people say to me all day long, where's your God? If you're really serving God, David, Absalom wouldn't have done this to you. Where's your God? And David's in a very difficult point. And then look what he says, though, in verse 4 about remembering God's faithfulness. He says, these things... I remember as I pour out my soul. These things I remember. What did he remember? And look what he does here. He says, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty. He wasn't running from people and and life was in danger. One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He remembered some good days of worship. And then look at verse 5. Something shifts. He starts preaching to himself. And I like this here. He says in verse 5, why my soul are you downcast? You ever had those low soul moments? You have high soul moments? He's in a low soul moment, downcast. Literally that word downcast, and you'll see it again. It means like if an animal was to get trapped in a very deep ditch and couldn't get out. It's like, why, my soul, are you in this place where you feel like there's a no-win situation? He says, why so disturbed within me? Watch this. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David started preaching to himself. He's like, how old? He's like, time out, David. Have you ever talked to yourself like that before? It's like, Bordeaux, what's going on, man? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in him. Take the ladder of hope and put it in God. Stop pity-saking. You, you guys know what pity-saking is? That's my mom used to call it. You, you just look for everybody, give you some, some pity-sake. So stop pity-saking, son. And that's what we do. We pity-sake. And, and David literally didn't have the encouragement committee come by. Nobody commented on his Facebook post and put a little, you know, um, love emoji. Or, and, and there was no praying hands. Like he literally had to do this on his own. And he began to encourage himself. He remembered God's past faithfulness. When I was writing this message, and again, I don't write on like Saturday or, or Friday, and you know, for the, you know, they're written way before, and, and I do that for several reasons, but one of the things I remember as I was writing this, it was a very difficult time. It's like, it's just a tough week. You ever had those weeks that everything converges on you, right? And like everything converged, and I was just at a very low point, and as I was writing this, like I'm writing this message for today, but I'm going through a tough time, and God said, can you not stop and just minister to yourself for a second? Like, why are you acting like this? You're acting like the sky's fallen. You're acting like that I didn't know this was going to happen. I mean, has it ever occurred to us that nothing occurs to God? Has it, has it, ever, has it ever occurred to us that we're like, God's ever like, man, I didn't know that was going to happen, Mark. That was crazy. That was just like Wild. I did not expect that. That took me by surprise. I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll figure it out. That's not God, right? And so I had to pause and literally begin to encourage myself and begin to remember God's past faithfulness in other situations. Look at Lamentations 3.19. And this is from Jeremiah. This is the book Lamentations, which means crying. Snot knows crying is what the book really means. I mean, if you want to take that in the, in the Hebrew, stop those crying for a very long time. You, you lament, lamentation. So Jeremiah was a guy who had a bad day, who had a bad week, who had a bad year, and had a bad lifetime. Like there's really nothing good that happened in Jeremiah's lifetime. Like he's called the weeping prophet. 
right? So Israel is exiled into Babylon, and Jeremiah is there to tell them that it's going to be 70 years or so before they get out. Well, um, let's do, do the math here. How many of you are under the age of 15 in here? Anybody under the age of 15? A few? You can lift your hands. Okay. I'm not going to call you out. Okay. Just like several. You guys may make it. The rest of us ain't seeing the promise. They're like, hey, Jeremiah's like, I got great news. I know it's really bad. But eventually, God's going to like set us free and bring us back to Jerusalem. We're like, this is awesome. He's like, in 70 years. Really? And even Jeremiah didn't get to see that day. So, you know, he is seeing his people in exile. They've been taken out of Jerusalem. They're now in Babylon as slaves to an evil, evil empire called the Babylons. Now, look what he writes during this. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. He's in the ditch. He has a solo. And he says this in verse 21, yet this I call to mind. So you see what happens here? Things are tough. Things are difficult. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. He says, I remember, and therefore I have hope. And look what he says. And verse 22 is written in a terrible time in Israel's history. We quote it all the time. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. He's like, you know what? We're still breathing. We're still here. This is awesome. Like, if you got breath in you, God's not done with you. That's what he's saying. He says, for his compassions never fail. Like, really, God? We're in the worst situation ever. They are, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Like, Jeremiah said, I recall, and therefore I have hope. See, if, if you want to have hope for the future, you've got to look back and see what God has done before. If the first thing you've got to do is look back and say, I recall when I lived in sin and the weight of my sin was a burden on my shoulders. I had a guilty conscience. You know, um, I, I didn't understand the power of forgiveness. Like, I love when we take communion. And, like, today we did our communion stations at Chesterfield. And before I get on stage, man, I just love to take that juice, man, that represents the blood. I just kneel. I was like, I'm like, I thank God every time that he washed away my sins. No other world religions, religion promises to wipe away and wash away your sins. You're trying to work yourself to get to heaven. And then Jesus, literally, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, you're forgiven. And so I can recall and remember as God washes my sins how thankful I am. See, some of you need to recall when you thought the divorce was going to destroy you. And you thought life was over. And you saw God restore your life. For some of you, that job, you thought, man, this is the dream job. And you got the pink slip and you thought, man, what am I going to do now? <laughs> and now you see what God's doing in your life. And you're like, man, it couldn't be any better. I talked to a church planner recently, and, um, and, and, and he literally went to a city to plant a church, right? And I can't go into all the details, but he had, he, God told him to stop it right in the middle of it before he even got launched. He had moved there, raised money, and said, I just don't know what it is. God's, just, God's calling an audible, and I don't know what's happening. And I said, I do know this right here. I remember when God called an audible my life and sent me to Virginia. You can trust in him. You can, I, I recall, therefore, I have hope. So just feed on my hope a little bit. And can I tell you something? that God's doing something amazing like right now. God put it on a hold because there was something else that God had for him that he's blown away. But in that situation, he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Why is God doing this? See, you've got to look back sometimes in order to have a clear picture of the future. 
That's how God works. Remember God's past faithfulness. Um, I actually used this verse um, about seven years ago, eight years ago, um, when I worked at a, at a, at a company there and, um, in Florida. And I was planting a church. And another church planner had called me. He's in a real difficult place with a lot of unchurched people. And he wanted some encouragement. So he calls me, you know, and sometimes I'm good at encouragement. I'm a realist, but sometimes I can be encouraging, friends. So he calls me, and, like, I'm just going in the ministry mode. You ever been in ministry mode, and you're just sharing, you just, man, you're just flowing, you're just sharing your heart, and your, right? Like, I'm doing that. And I said, man, it, Lamentations, Jeremiah, Lamentations 319 through 23 says this, and I quoted that verse. I said, in the New King James, I recall, therefore I have hope. I said, man, you've got to look back. And I just went into all this. I mean, I just felt like, man, the Lord was using me, man. And there's a long silence afterwards. I'm like, hello? He's like, hey, yeah, I, I, I'm here, man. I'm here. And we got to talk. Well, six months later, we talk. And Scott says, what was that verse you shared with me about six months ago? He said, I can't find it anywhere in the Bible. I was like, oh, it's in Lamentations. If you look at Lamentations, you know, 319 to 23. He says, yeah, I've been looking. He said, because you told me I'm called by God, so I should have hope. I said, Scott, that's, uh, I, I never said that. <laughs> I never said, that, that's not even a Bible verse. I mean, I don't, that's not really a verse. That's just something that you can put some things together. I said, I don't know, how did you get, I don't know. He said, the phone was breaking up, and you were in such a ministry mode. I didn't want to interrupt you. But he said, what was that verse? I said, well, the verse is this. It says, I recall, therefore I have hope. He's like, man, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I was like, well, gee. So every time Scott and I talk about once a year, you know, he'll kind of check in and call. He says, do you remember the time? that I got that verse wrong for six months and thought it was so much. He says, but let me tell you, Lamentations has helped me so much in my ministry because I have to look back at God's past faithfulness. I look at that resume to know what he's going to do in the future. When you're pouring out your heart to God and you're hurting and you're in pain, pause and begin to look back at the faithfulness of God. You may say, well, I, you know, I don't really have a big resume. I don't, there's not a lot of things I know that God's done for me. Well, he's done a lot, you just not paid attention, number one. But number two, he's got a big resume, a big resume. It's called the Bible. And do you know the same God that Abraham served, you serve. The same God that Jeremiah served, you serve. God didn't, it wasn't like a change of the guards and you got some lesser God that you're serving. They had this really awesome God who did crazy things. Like, when, literally what you have to do is say, God, you let Abraham out not knowing where he was going and you provided for him and you protected him. Even one time you told him to sacrifice his son and that was crazy. Out of obedience he goes up and then you provide a sacrifice instead of his son. I know you can provide for me. You can literally say, you know, God, um, I have a family member who's running from you and I'm praying for them. And maybe you're that person today, like I was, where you say, but I remember a guy named Jonah who was pretty disobedient, like blatant. God, I'm not going to Nineveh, not preaching to them jokers. I don't like them. And God pursues Jonah and runs down Jonah, has to get him in the belly of a fish for a little bit. But God uses Jonah and pursues him. God can pursue your family member the same way. The same God that pursued Jonah will pursue them. And you have to look at God and say, God, you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe. You may be in a financial situation. You're like, man, I don't know what you're going to do, God. But I do remember in the Bible that there was this widow, right? This lady. And she had just a few jars of oil left. Just enough food for her and her family to cook and die. But I remember a miracle you did where she said, I'm going to sow this into this guy's life and be generous. And then all of a sudden, what happened? 
it's multiplied. I remember a time when you multiplied fish and loaves. That's the same Jesus today. And I don't know how you can do it, God, but I'm trusting you. See, you have to recall so you can have hope. And not only in your own life, but in the Bible. And say, you know what? If he did it for them, he can do it for me. The same God that they serve is the same God that I serve. And I believe that he can do it. Friends, and some people get tired of hearing this, but, but let me tell you about the story of Thrive. See, I'm thankful and grateful, and I have hope for the future, because I remember when there was 21 people at Chesterfield. I remember when there was 24 people meeting in the fellowship hall here. And we went in with a bunch of faith to launch these campuses. I remember when I first went to Chesterfield, I was on what they called a part-time salary. It wasn't part-time. <laughs> My wife moved here and couldn't get her credentialing. She couldn't work. So, like, literally... We spent three months living off credit cards. I'd never suggest that to anybody. I didn't know what else to do. Today, we don't have consumer credit card debt. So now when I'm faced with, amen, it's like, so now when I'm faced with something and I'm worried, I just look back and say, I remember those days. I remember when Randy, uh, who's our financial administrator, said, hey, man, don't cash your check until this day because it ain't going to clear. I remember when he said, don't buy invite cards because we just can't invite anybody this week because we don't have the money to do it. See, I remember those things, and I have to stay keenly aware of that. I remember in the first year, my goal at Thrive was to see 20 people water baptized. Man, I was like, man, that's a, that's a big, audacious goal. I'm excited. And this year alone, 72 people were water baptized at both locations. See, like, listen, that's the faithfulness of God. And so when I look at 2018 and I look what God is going to do and I have tough times fall in on me, I don't get as nervous anymore because I look back and remembered that he did it. That way he can do it again. If he did it before, what church? He can do it again. Remember God's past faithfulness in your life. Remember how he did those things. And here's the second point as you pour out your heart to God. Trust in God's power for your future. It's going to happen. Do you hear me? Trust in God's power for your future. I want you to look at Psalm 102. We'll look at several verses here. Um, you can write these down. David says, hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. In my distress, I groan aloud and, re and reduce to skin and bones. This guy's hurting. Do you sense the hurt that's going on there? Like, do you sense the pain? He says in verse 7, I lie awake. Some of you have done the same thing. I become like a bird alone on a roof. There are sometimes you feel alone that nobody understands and nobody's there and you feel like nobody can help and you feel alone. That's what he felt. He says, all day long my enemies taunt me. They taunt him. See, we have enemies too, don't we? Maybe yours is anxiety. And you can't stop worrying about the future and it taunts you. Maybe it's the relationship struggle you're having and it taunts you. Maybe it's something with your children and it taunts you. It laughs at you. It continues to keep you up at night. Maybe it's depression and it, it, it taunts you. you know, it, it continually, continually goes. But I want you to look what happens here in verse 12 and this is the key. He says, but you, Lord... I'm depressed, I feel alone, I'm crying myself to sleep, things are difficult, but he doesn't stay there, right? See, some of us stay in that mode. He, but look what he does, this is how he gets out of it. He says, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. 
your renown endures through all generations. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. If you get nothing else today, some of you need to understand that he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. When you feel like there's no hope left and you have nothing left in the tank and your only prayer is help, God hears you and he will respond to that prayer, church. He will not despise their plea. See, some of you today are going to have a but you, Lord, moment. You know what but you, Lord, moments do? It turns your pain into worship. I don't understand. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. And it hurts like Hades. But you, Lord. But you, Lord. To the point in time that you may say, in my relationship, I don't know what's happening. But you don't stay there, do you? But you, Lord. But this addiction that you're facing. But you, Lord. You begin to look and trust in God's power for the future. He's going to do it. Do you understand that? There was a show called MacGyver. Some of y'all don't know nothing about MacGyver. Like, like you young people need to Hulu it or Netflix it. But like MacGyver, MacGyver, I used to watch that all the time. My dad made me eat rutabagas one night watching MacGyver, and I was so upset because I hate rutabagas. But, but, but I digress. He, you know, and MacGyver, MacGyver would get in these, these situations, these conundrums where we're like, you're like, I don't know how he's going to get out. But every episode he got out, right? With a piece of gum and a paper clip <laughs> and a penny. He blew up a plane. I mean, like MacGyver just did crazy stuff. And, you know, and, and, but I watched it over and over. You do the same thing with movies, don't you? Like the movies you watch, you know that, like, I, I went and saw the Star Wars movie this week, and let me tell you what happened. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> but, like, you know, there's some surprises in the way, but, but, but you ultimately know, like, what's going to happen. But you watch it anyway because you know. We should have the same confidence in God that we have in these fake heroes on a movie screen that he's going to do it. I don't know how. And it may be with some bubble gum and a paper clip and a penny. But God's going to do it. Listen, there has to be a point in time in our life when we're going through something that we, that we recall the past and what God's done. And we believe that he's going to do it in the future. And there has to be a point in time where you trust in God's power for the future even though you can't see it. And it's called pouring out your heart to him. Some of you today are hurting and it's okay. Listen, the Lord wants you to pour out your heart to him. Some of you need the Lord to intervene in a situation. Cry out to him. What we're going to do it, it just in a few minutes is our worship team's going to come up here. And we're not just going to sing a song to leave. We're going to take a moment and we're going to lift our hands and our hearts and pour out our hearts to God. And some of you need to say, you need God to intervene. You don't need a sermon. You need God. So I want to pray for you, and then we're going to worship. Father, this morning we want to pause and say thank you that we have the opportunity to worship you, our creator. That because of Jesus, we can approach you. God, we also want to say this morning, thank you that you care about everything that we think is insignificant. 
that even today we walked in with heavy baggage and not knowing how stuff's going to happen or how it's going to work out. But God, we thank you that you care. And not only that you care, you're not some powerless grandfather in heaven who can't do anything. You're like, God, you, you are all powerful. And we know that you want to get involved in our situation. And so today, God, we say thank you. And what we want to do, God, is pour out our hearts to you in worship. And not just worship with our mind or with our or clapping of hands or just singing. But God, we want to pour our hearts out to you. And we know, God, that you're going to do it. We don't know how, but we know that you're going to do it. And so we love you, God, and we praise you in this place. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for caring. If you guys will stand to your feet this morning. And I want us to take a moment to truly worship God. Pour out your heart to Him. Don't care about who's around you and what they're doing, but take a moment to cry out to your Lord this morning. Take a moment to worship Him.